0: What is going on, everybody? We got another episode of the m oh, and <laughs> Let me catch myself. The M... I'm... Oh my, it's the B&J podcast until we find out a better name. Um, of course, myself, Blake Purser, am in the studio today with my good friend Josh Ferrari. And today we have the college football preseason episode that we promised last week during that uh, Relaxed Fit episode. So today we're going to be talking about LSU season, the quarterback battle that's coming up between Max Johnson and Miles Brennan. And then we're also going to be talking about the UL season up ahead. Um, and a few, a few other things are way too early predictions for the college football playoff, the SEC expansion, and a couple other things here and there that we uh, we might just ramble on about. So Josh, before we get started, uh, I want to ask you, what do you know? Because I know you're not a big college football guy, and I'm not going to hold that against you. Um what do you know currently about the LSU quarterback battle? And have you did you watch any games last year to see Brennan or Max Johnson to see you know who you like, who you think's going to get the start? Um, what do you know about Miles Brennan? Like, you know that sort of thing. So um, I'll I'll give you the floor for that.
1: I remember there was a lot of hype around Miles Brennan, like when Joe had his season. Everybody was kinda excited. They were like, Oh, this this might carry over in the next season with, with Miles Brennan. He's supposed to be incredible and everything. So I know that there was that, but other I didn't watch anything last year. I was not very interested in I, I wasn't at either. all last year. I wasn't either. But I I mean, from what I heard, he was supposed to be like great and then he, it seems like he kind of. I don't know if he fell off or if he. Well, just he got never injured. Really?
0: Oh, okay. He got injured, and with the you know the ten game season, um, you know you can't. It's not a full season. LSU didn't go to a bowl game. It was a weird season. I I can say for, I speaking for myself, and I am sure a lot of other LSU fans probably had. I, mean, I know I had the hangover from the national championship season the year before. We knew we weren't going to be as good. We didn't think we were going to be five and five. But we knew we weren't going to be, you know, amazing and go on a what was it fifteen and O run like we did the year before.
1: Yeah, it never, it never really seemed like people were prepared for it to come back and be another national championship season. Yeah,
0: and it, it was very similar to the year after we won it in '07 when it was Jarrett Lee and you know he was a, I think I believe he was a freshman and pretty much just got thrown to the wolves. Um, that being said, Coach O has come out and said that he believes both. both Max Johnson and Miles Brennan are championship level quarterbacks, but he has not come out and picked his starter for week one. Um, Look, if you take talent out of this, you have to give it to Brennan. Brennan stuck around for four years. He sat behind Burrow. He could have transferred if he wanted to. We've seen so many other college quarterbacks, especially one we're going to talk about later in this episode, transfer when the going gets tough and they don't have the keys to the kingdom and they're not the starter. But Brennan didn't do that. Brennan is the veteran, and he, he started last season, although he did go down with an injury. But in his three games, he had a 60% completion rate, which isn't bad, 11 touchdowns, and uh, 1,112 yards, which, you know, through three games, that's not bad. No, uh, it's not bad at all. And But, you know, you've got Johnson, who gets the two top 25 wins. He, you know... Uh, kind of galvanizes that LSU team for the rest of the season and, you know, just picks up the spirits around campus when everybody thought, okay, this is a, you know, stinker season. We got nothing to look forward to. And then Max Johnson comes in and gets us a huge win over Florida, which is always good as an LSU fan. And he was, you know, he was fantastic in his time. Um, I think Max Johnson will eventually be the starter, but I don't think it's this season. I think if Brennan stays healthy, Coach O feels like he owes it to him to be the starter after, you know, sitting out, watching Burrow play, and then he finally gets the the go and he gets injured. So I think there's going to be that sympathy card played. And I think Miles Brennan will be the starter week one against UCLA. And I think if he stays healthy, he's the starter all season. As long as he does decent and Coach O is not seeing anything from Johnson that's going to put us in a better position to win, I think Brennan's your starter, no doubt about it.
1: How do you feel about that situation in general? Not just with LSU, but in sports in general, with a coach feeling like they owe a player
0: for the loyalty. It's it's touchy. It's it's a weird subject because at the you know at the same time you've got a guy who stayed around, waited his turn, was loyal to you, didn't transfer, and just you know waited for his shot, and you have to respect that. But at the same time, you got to win games,
1: right? Like the Saints are in a very similar position right now. With Taysom, with Taysom and Jameis. yeah. Taysom's been there. He's been waiting. He was. He's the, played
0: every other position that you know, just to get on, on the, field. the field.
1: He's clearly dedicated to the Saints, but at the same time, I don't see us winning more than six games with Taysom.
0: I mean, hasn't Taysom thrown like less than twenty passes in his NFL career? Maybe less than like ten
1: before last season. He played those the he the put- games when drew was out yeah yeah.
0: and but then he'd play like slot receiver or punt returner or you know linebacker if they let him um it's you know you have to look at it like a business yes you feel sympathy for that player but you have to win games that's the reason you're the coach that's the reason they hired you so I think you you see a lot of the time they'll start with that guy and or you know, female, and if it doesn't go the way that they thought it was gonna go, then and they're not lighting the world on fire. Then you move to the second string, the the junior, the freshman, the sophomore. But I think if, un- unless of course the you know the underclassman is clear cut, you know above and beyond the the guy ahead of them or the female or the woman in- ahead of them. So right. I think that you usually start they or they'll usually start the season with the elder classmen and then if they're not producing then they make the move to the uh the second string. Right. All right. Ooh, that was a mouthful right there. Um uh, we're gonna talk about the L S U football schedule. Week one. L S U is playing at the Rose Bowl against U C L A. Uh L S U comes in at a four and a half point favorite over U C L A. Um U C L A and that Chip Kelly offense. They got a lot of starters returning, but um I don't. I don't see the Bruins getting the better of LSU in this one. I think after the season last year, LSU is going to come out very strong in this season. I see them winning that game, forty-two to twenty-four. LSU all day, running rampant in yeah, the Rose Bowl. I think Bowl.
1: LSU needs to come out the gate sprinting. Yeah.
0: Oh, absolutely. You can't not after what you you know put up last season.
1: Right. Last season was by all means a disappointment, and of course there was COVID and everything. Yeah. So the world was different in general, but. They they need to come out the gate running so that they can get off to a good start and prove that it wasn't just a one year fluke that this program is yes that is do- still
0: LSU you gotta do it like if people are already questioning the legitimacy of Coach O so go out there and prove them wrong you know um he's a great coach he's all about LSU in Louisiana he's a guy you want in and around your program do it for him don't no. let that be a one season wonder um. Put if if they can have a good season this year, I think that firmly puts LSU on the map of being in the playoff conversation each year. Even with Bama, um,
1: correct me if I'm wrong. I feel like Coach O is more of a an emotional leader rather than like a, a schemer, like call and play, like call like yeah, making I, the exact game plan. Yeah, he's, he's not a, like a, a
0: tactician.
1: Right, he's, he's the rally his troops and go to war with them. Yeah,
0: he's the guy in, you know, the foxhole with you throwing back grenades. Right. Like, he's going to rally the troops. I, I 100% agree with that. And he's put some, you know, fantastic coaches around him to be able to, I, in my opinion, to focus more on the emotional side and getting guys fired up. I mean, you saw his reaction when we beat Alabama two years ago, and... Oh, yeah. You could see it, the, just the pure joy of, what was it, eight years of just pain for LSU of just constantly being talked about, like, hey, if we beat Bama, this is the year, and it just never happening. And, you know, right. going and getting blown out by our friends in Tuscaloosa. Friends. Um, yeah, friends, I say that very lightly. Uh, week two, McNeese State, um, in-state, <laughs> not a rivalry. Dog, should be a dog walk. Yeah, I'm not. Uh, I'm not, I don't really even need to say anything. I see LSU winning that game like 56-17. Um, week three, Central Michigan. What do you want me to say? Um, LSU has in the past kind of let little teams like this kind of stick around later in the game and then just turning it on. Um,
1: I mean, that game, it probably could be an indicator of the rest of the season, though. Yeah. Because usually, and I, I'm kind of pulling this out of left field, but I feel like from my memory... Whenever they do start letting the little teams stay and stick, around. stay with them and stick around with them, even if they don't lose to them, it
0: ends up not being a great season. Yeah, uh, yeah, because you you can't put teams away. That's a big thing. It doesn't matter how many points you score in you know the first half if you can't hold that lead, then they were for nothing. Right. Um, but no, I I don't see this being another Troy debacle. Which I was at that game, and that was whew, that was pain. Um, LSU wins, beats the Central Michigan Chippewas, forty-nine to ten. Week four, LSU travels to Stark Vegas to play Mississippi State. Um, look, we know Mississippi State has a very pass happy offense with Mike Leach. LSU secondary has Derek Stingley, who will be a future first round pick in the NFL draft, and Elias Ricks, who is a freshman. I, 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 I think Elias Ricks is a freshman. I didn't research that, but I'm pretty sure Josh will correct me if I'm wrong. But, I look, I didn't get to watch a lot of LSU games last season um, just from COVID and working a lot. Um, I, I didn't have COVID, but I was working a lot, and uh, I just didn't get to see him. And, honestly, I wasn't interested. But Elias Ricks is a standout cornerback, and I see them at least having two picks against this past happy Mike Leach offense. LSU wins that game 35-14. Um, Week 5, we've got Auburn at home. Bo Nix is coming into Death Valley with his Tigers, wanting to build on their embarrassment of the Bayou Bengals 48-11 the year before. Um, This one's tricky. LSU's got a great defense coming into the season. It's really just going to depend on how well the offense performs, Josh.
1: Elias Ricks is going to be a sophomore this okay.
0: year. Okay. Look, I love LSU. I was so uninterested last season just because of everything going on and – Man, I, I have no excuse. I have no excuse. No, I mean, I don't blame you. I didn't get to watch yeah. the games I wanted to watch.
1: Especially, <clears throat> sorry, <laughs> especially being like I've I worked most Saturdays. So so did I. It was, there was never really a good opportunity to just like sit down and watch college football. Yeah.
0: The most I really and truly got to like watch or experience last year was just through like playing the, fu- playing the game on like a radio or like playing it on my phone radio and listening to that. Um, right. But, no, Elias Ricks is an amazing cornerback. He was great in high school. Um, They're going to beat Mississippi State. They're going to have a great defense, be an iron curtain. Uh, Week 5, as I was saying, against Auburn, that's going to be the first real test for me, uh, for the Tigers, our Tigers. Um, Man, this is tricky. It really just depends on how well our offense can perform and if our defense holds tight. This could go two ways. I see Auburn winning 35-27 or LSU winning 42-31. Um... I think that game right there will be what sets the season. If we go into that game and we beat Auburn, we're set. We're going to be the team to beat. If we lose, we could—I mean, we could finish five and five. That's how—that's LSU's like limits this year. They could win it all, or they could go five and five, or six and six right. again. Um, week six, the LSU Tigers travel to Kentucky. Kentucky is going to be without a star linebacker jamming. I always, I could say this wrong, jamming Davis. Um, Expect LSU to run the ball a lot and pass well. Tigers just take care of Kentucky, 45-13. Kentucky's offense just not going to be able to put much against that defense. Uh, Let's see. Week 7, LSU takes on the Gators in Death Valley. Um, As we all know, the great shoe throw of last year which cost florida the game pretty much florida's going to be coming into this game without kyle trask without uh with kyle pitts who was a first round pick uh one of the best yeah, tight we ends the falcons one of the best tight ends in the country right now um florida's offense is going to struggle emory jones is going to be exposed to hopefully a full capacity death valley crowd which will definitely i believe get into his head um Look, I I didn't get to see a lot of Emory Jones last year. I don't think, if he's not Heisman caliber, Florida doesn't win this game. is going to get some big picks. I see them winning a, a good game, but 28-17. Week 8 would we travel to Oxford to play Ole Miss. This is a tough one. Matt Corral, or Corral, however you want to say his last name, we've seen how explosive he can be and the talent he has. But he is prone to throwing the... Uh, Throwing the interception and LSU secondary will be electric this year, hopefully. But they're going to be electric. Um, and I'm not. I'm still not sold on Lane Kiffin's decision making and him as a head coach. Uh, I see LSU winning another shootout, forty-two thirty-eight. Week nine, we got the whew, a tough opponent in the bye week, <laughs> <laughs> and then week ten. As we all know, as LSU fans, the bye week comes right before Alabama. Alabama. Um, Look, Alabama's got Bryce Young, who apparently is already like earning like seven figures through this uh, name, image, and likeness deal. So who knows if his head's going to be in the game. He's just there to, <laughs> he's just there to make money. Um, let's hope not. Let's hope not. I really don't want to see that happen. And I don't want to see the college football turn into the NFL and kids just going places not for where they want to play or their talent level, but just going to make money. I don't want to see that. Um, Josh, as you were saying earlier, you did, you know, call out Alabama's going to be without Jalen Waddell, Mac Jones, and Heisman winner Devontae Smith, which, I mean, that's going to hurt any team. But
1: Right, you lost your core offense, but it's still Alabama, it's, and they probably have the next Jalen Waddle, the next Devontae Smith, and the next Mac Jones well, coming up. Well, so.
0: I mean, apparently Bryce Young is supposed to be, like, the next Tua. So that's going to be an interesting game. Um, look, Alabama is never, ever an easy game. It's at Alabama. It's at Tuscaloosa. So, man, this is a tough one. LSU's got a lot of returning guys. Um, You know, they want to build a great team this year and come back from that loss against Alabama. Honestly, my heart says LSU 35-32. My gut and my brain say Alabama 42-35. Let's just, you know, let's hope for the best. Let's cross our fingers. let's,
1: Let's cross our fingers and hope for the best. But at this point you're expecting undefeated.
0: Well, I did until s- up to, up to here. Well, I I do think they could lose to Auburn and I do think they could lose to Bama. That's the thing. I think LSU is going to have a great year. And you know, I could be being biased because I am an LSU fan. But there's a lot of other people that are saying this. It's not just me. Um a lot of people have them going 11 and 1. Some people have them going 6 and 6, you know. That's that's the state of LSU football right now. But um no, I, I think if we beat Bama, we're in. I don't think we lose another game. We may lose in the playoff, but we're into the playoff. Um, if we lose that game, then I think there's a chance we could still sneak in if we go undefeated the rest of the way. So week 11, Arkansas. Um, what, do I need, what do I need to not say about this? Not much to say here. Not, not much to say about this. LSU dominates 52-14. Week 12... ULM the lesser UL <laughs> what do I need to say um I mean UL hung like 70 points last year on ULM I don't think LSU will beat them that badly just because Coach O is going to call off the dogs but 56-3 week 13 the team LSU has never lost to in the SEC Texas A&M uh, <laughs> look Texas A&M is going to be without Kellen Mon which is going to hinder that Aggie offense um Look, I see LSU's defense holding firm, winning 35-24.
1: Whew, that was Speaking a lot. of Kellen mon I really wanted the Saints to draft him in a later round and let him sit for a couple years. Did you year watch him two. in
0: college? A little bit. I was never impressed. Could have been because he was at A&M, but I was never that impressed.
1: I thought he could be very good at, with Sean Payton.
0: Yeah. Well, the thing is, for me at least, um, no quarterback at A&M is ever going to live up to Johnny Manziel. So everything everything right. after him has just seemed like, you know, a downgrade, a watered down version of Manziel.
1: Right. But then you look at what Johnny Manziel did in the pros and okay, he, that he fizzled was, out in a year. That was his
0: party life getting to him. Right. He still but, had all the talent.
1: Oh, yeah. But at the same time, I think being that guy in college led him down the road of being that party guy and being.
0: Oh yeah, absolutely. The Johnny
1: Manziel that he became instead of the Johnny Manziel that he's turning into now. Again, he's trying really hard to get back into football in way, different ways. He played, I think, in the Canadian league. I think he played in the XFL.
0: I think it was there was like a fantasy league or something that he played in.
1: Yeah, he was, he's just been playing everywhere he can to try to get. It's, His name back on the map, but I don't think it'll ever work. I think he, I think he blew a shot.
0: I do too, and it's sad because you hate to see somebody who has all the talent in the world just throw it away. I mean, the man won the freshman, won the Heisman as a freshman. Um, look, I was a big Zell believer. You can ask anybody that has ever talked to me about him before. I loved him. I really wanted to see him do well. Um, I have a dollar bill at my house that has. Manziel's face on top of George Washington's (laughs) that I paid like five dollars for so yeah I was a big Manziel guy but you know it went the way it did I don't think he will be back in the NFL so that hurts but you know life goes on hopefully he can find something in his life to you know bring him joy and hopefully it's something with football Um, now we're going to get into the UL Lafayette Cajun schedule before we talk about the potential SEC expansion and our predictions for the playoffs. UL and Coach Napier have posted a 28-11 and 11 record in his three seasons. I'm pretty sure that's the best of any coach in UL at, in their time. Um, coach Napier is going to be relying on senior quarterback Levi Lewis to lead the offense this year since the Cajuns will be without running backs Elijah Mitchell and Trey Regis, who combined for 18 TDs and 1,600 yards. It's going to be interesting to see if the to see if the new backs, Chris Smith and Michael Orfe, I wanna say is how you say his name. I thought it was Osprey when I was typing it. Can pick up the slack. Um, look, UL's got week one at Texas. I've said this before. Don't be surprised. Don't be surprised if UL upsets the Longhorns. And we I, have
1: I would love to see it, especially with Texas planning to come to the SEC now. Oh my god. Just just let us let us go over there and just 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 take them for a walk.
0: Dude, I I would be more excited I would be just as excited for that as I was for when LSU beat Clemson in the national title. I don't know if you remember years ago, um it was Colin Kaepernick actually, was playing at Nevada and they beat Boise State, who was like the Notre Dame or, you know, Oklahoma or Texas, highly overrated in the top four. That's the
1: Bluefield team, yes. huh?
0: never played Never played why? anybody. Why? Yeah.
1: I, I, just, just real quick, why?
0: I hate it. Have you ever seen one in person? No. When, okay, so I was out in Hobbs, New Mexico. Don't ask why. Um, Brian Erlacher, the linebacker for the Bears, right. went to high school. I forget the name of the town, but it wasn't that far from there. And we drove by at one time. I think we were going to Roswell, which is where the alien crash is. But that's a different topic for a different uh, day. But Um, Erlacher had, like, built his entire football, like, his high school team, like, a brand new complex, new field, new stadium and everything. And they had the blue turf. And I got to see it in person. And, dude, it hurts your eyes. I mean, I would assume it does. And that's I mean, not even the worst ones. They have some that are, like, red and purple. It's, it's so i hate it. Ohio had like a gray one. It made you look like the, the picture definition on your TV was wrong, like the color, <laughs> like the sharpness was turned down. It was horrible. <laughs> but anyway, back to UL versus Texas. Uh look, Texas is going to be without Sam Ellinger. So no quarterback, new coach in Steve Sarkeesian. and he's always a toss up. He's had some um you know, some some different teams in the past. Let's just say that. And I, I could see UL winning this. UL is a great team. Um, I could see Texas not coming to play and just getting, you know, punched in the mouth early on and not being able to like bounce back from it. Uh, so don't be surprised if the Cajuns win this game twenty-eight twenty-four. And
1: the Cajuns are going to be hungry. Yeah,
0: you want to produce for Napier, especially when you're hearing, okay, we're about to go play a team that's about to join the SEC or potentially about to join the SEC. Right, and let's go beat them. We had the best record we've ever had last year. Yeah. Ever. We were incredible last year. And we got, you know, the the, the conference championship game, that's everybody's got their own uh, take on that. So I don't want to talk yeah, about we'll just that. We'll skip over that. We'll skip over that. Um, interestingly enough, uh, UL's not playing Coastal this year, they're not on the schedule. So the only way UL is going to get to play Coastal is in the conference championship. Um, so anyway, let's go. We got week two, Nickel State. Look, uh my brother went to Nichols, he played baseball there. It's a very old college um UL drums, Nichols. I, I would say forty five, fourteen. Week three, Ohio. Ohio only played three games. Three games. Three games last season in the shortened COVID season. So not a lot to go off of. I think it'll be a test for the Cajuns, but you know, it's a good it's a out of conference team, not a team they're gonna play every year. Uh from the Mac. I see U L winning it even though, I believe no, it's a a home game. Yeah, I see UL winning that 24-14. Week four, Cajuns travel to Georgia Southern. Georgia Southern did give the Cajuns a test last year, but did suffer a 37-24 loss. I don't see much changing. Um, I I think the Cajuns picked this one up a little bit closer, 35-27. Week five, Cajuns take on South Alabama. UL is going to be firing on all cylinders at this point. And wins handily, forty-two to fourteen. Week six, Josh. I know you're not a big college guy, but I'm sure you've heard of this game: U. L. versus Appalachian State. Oh yeah, um, a lot of bad blood between these two teams. Um, there was some some problems last year with um, when the game was going to be played. I think there were some COVID problems, and I think some. I, I I don't know the full story, but I remember hearing like some chatter around campus that they thought App State was faking it because they were scared. Um, which you know. No, it's all good and fun.
1: Which, year before last, App
0: State was like really good, weren't they? Yeah, App State's usually good year in and year out. Um, let's not forget, they're the team that beat Michigan when they were in uh, the football championship series. Um, but this is one of the Cajun's biggest rivalries. App State will be without three key starters. Offensive lineman Noah Hannon, uh, defensive back Shamar Jean-Charles, and quarterback Zach Thomas. Losing Thomas is a huge loss for the Mountaineers, who in his career threw first 69 TDs and ran in 19 more. Um, I see the Cajuns winning this one 35-20, with Levi Lewis being more productive than he was last season because that was his worst game, I believe. I think he only had eight completions. So I think he's going to want to come out and show that he can win these games, and UL wins that game. I, I would say 35-20. to um, Week 7, Arkansas State at Arkansas State. Uh, There's going to be another tough one for the Cajuns. I see the Cajuns having a bit of a hangover after the App State win, and I think they're going to lose a nail-biter, 31-28. Um, I, you know, that that, that big-game hangover comes in a lot on teams. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, I, th- I think this will be a tough loss for the Cajuns, but they still have everything in front of them. They can still win the Sun Belt, and they're going to come back week eight against Texas State at home, and they're going to get the job done 38-24. Then week nine... Cajuns play Georgia State. Cajuns won this game last year in overtime against the Jaguars 34 31. With one loss on their record at this point, Billy Napier and the Cajuns know they can't drop another one if they want to win the Sun Belt outright. They win 34 24. Week 10, my favorite team ever at Troy, <laughs> the Giant Killers. Um,. Troy's a very inconsistent offense last year, but they do have 11 returning starters and some transfers, so don't expect Troy to just be a pushover. Um, quarterback Gunnar Watson will be returning to quarterback, but with the transfer of Taylor Powell. Okay, Josh, come on now. You got mad at me when my phone went off earlier and you just had a full call. <laughs> anyway, won't, um, happen again. won't happen again, I'm sure. But uh, Taylor, uh, quarterback transfer Taylor Powell from Missouri, so it'll be interesting to see who gets the start for the Trojans. Uh, Cajun's still gonna win this game, twenty-four to fourteen. Do you like the idea of quarterbacks and players transferring to other teams? I, I don't mind it. Do
1: Depending you? on it, I would say it's more situational than anything, because like Joe Burrow, Joe. Would not be playing
0: in the NFL right now. Absolutely, if he not. wouldn't
1: have transferred to LSU.
0: Absolutely not. Um, do you think that it will increase now that the NIL thing is a uh, is you know it, it's a it's there?
1: Definitely, I think it's going to get much. I think the next five years are going to be like the Wild West in college football, and it's just going to. I think it's going to run rampant, and I think it's going to be harmful to the sport for the next few years. And then I think all I think they're gonna start getting everything ironed out,
0: you think it'll balance out,
1: and I think it's gonna start to balance out again
0: that's the thing man i I, I just don't want to see like a good quarterback or a good running back at a smaller college transfer just to go make money
1: right and I think that's going to that's gonna happen for the next few years, but i think I think this whole thing it's so new like you saw you like you were saying about the Alabama quarterback making seven figures right now, yeah. I think that's gonna. I think that'll probably stay a consistent thing. Alabama's gonna be able to get the best recruits even more than they always could. Yes, but I think it's gonna start to level out. I think. I think it might do well for college football in general and making it bigger than it was to begin with.
0: Oh, yeah, I could see that um, because
1: now you're gonna be able to have just. Think about how many professional football players you see in commercials on TV daily. Oh, yeah. Especially during football season. Absolutely. Especially
0: you're, like local car dealerships and stuff.
1: Exactly. You're going to have all of these, co- well, not all of them, obviously. Most offensive linemen aren't going to get. Yeah, the same we talked about that. Line, but you're going to have these college football players that instead of just being shown on SportsCenter and their name, image, and likeness being used for. Do they get paid for that? I don't think so.
0: But yeah, like that's the thing. Like, if you are in a top ten play on Sports Center, do you get paid for that? I mean, I hope, I hope they do.
1: <laughs> I hope they get all the money they can. Um, but I think, I think it's gonna help college football just be more in the limelight than it ever has been because you are gonna have these players that are just showing up everywhere, like the pro football players. Yeah, Dak Prescott's
0: on every commercial. He, he is on a lot. So is uh, a Rod. Yeah, who is by the way back at camp. Um, so expect to see him playing for the Green Bay Packers this year. But uh, we'll talk about that in the NFL preseason uh, episode next week. Um, before we, you know, we talk more about college football players being paid. Um, I do want to finish uh, on the UL schedule, as you know, we just deviated a little bit. But um, let's see, where were we? Uh, week eleven, Cajuns are playing Liberty at Liberty. Um, Liberty is an independent school. They're a great team. They were lights out last year. Um, they have Hugh Freeze, who is a former SEC coach. Liberty's a good team, and they got 20 starters returning. And coming off a 10-1 season, I just don't see the Cadens getting it done, especially because it's a away game. If it was a home game, it'd be different. Um, but I just I don't see the Cadens getting it done. I think Liberty wins this game 42-28. Um, and then wrapping up the season, we've got Week 12, ULM. Um, the
1: in-state rivalry.
0: The end state rivalry of the little brother. After coming off a disappointing loss for the Cajuns, they still know the Sun Belt is theirs as, you know, Liberty's not in their conference. I think the Cajuns come out mean and blow out their in-state rivals again. I think they went 63-17. to um, ULM has just not been what they once were in college football. Um, I just don't see them winning that game or having any shot to win that game. Um, but about college players getting paid, how many coaches are you think are, like, putting that in their recruitment plans?
1: I would say all as all of the Power Five schools definitely are. I would say the lower end of the Power Five is probably putting it in less because they know they're not going to be able to.
0: Yeah, you're not getting that much TV exposure at. You know, you're are you're not getting as much TV exposure at Washington State as you would at Alabama.
1: Right. So that's that's what I'm saying with the whole the next five years thing. Coaches are going to be they're not going to have their plans set in place. And even if they think they do, it's going to change within the next few years because some coaches are going to go super heavy on this name, image, and likeness thing. Some are going to go super light on it. Some are going to be try to be middle ground, and we don't know which one's going to work yet.
0: Yeah, I did see uh, – I don't remember his name, but he was a five-star recruit, and he came out and said – I want to say he was a wide receiver – he said, I'm, "I've already like scratched off the teams that tried to recruit me with name, image, and likeness, which I love. Um, look, I, I know you want to make the money. It, I mean, people—the school is making money off of your name, so why shouldn't you make that? You know, at least a portion of that money. But go to college fo- Go play college football to play college football. It's the last time in your life that it's not your—you know—it's not going to be your job. So go, go right. to the school you want." Have fun, play, you know, play your heart out week in and week out to eventually make it to the league. But like I said, it's kind of like you know going from high school to college. It's your last time to just do it for fun. Um, so yeah, I, I love seeing stuff like that. I hope more kids come out and say like, I'm not going there just because they recruited me off of oh I can make X amount of dollars there. Um,
1: yeah, I hope it doesn't become the main priority, which. I, th- I think it would be bad for the sport if it becomes the main priority because it's just gonna. The smaller teams are never gonna have a chance. Yeah, you, like, I agree. It's already rare enough for a for a smaller school to have a, a Cinderella run. Yeah, like, but,
0: but if you think about it, like, if if you like going based off of that and teams that would you know give kids the most exposure, and I guess this is different because it's not the school directly giving them money, but if like you can look at the NFL team that has the most money to give and. They're usually not the best. Like, look at the Cowboys. Right. Cowboys have billions and billions of dollars to give away. Jerry, uh, what was it Jerry West? Is that Jerry name? Jones? Jerry Jones said like his hands don't get tired writing checks. You know. Until and, it
1: came to Dak Prescott,
0: <laughs> and he, he held out on Ezekiel too. Yeah. Did Ezekiel ever get paid?
1: Oh yeah, he got he got paid. That's what he, I thought. He got his money. But like that's after the, spending the whole summer in
0: Cabo. That's the thing. Just because you can give the most money doesn't mean you're always the best. Um, that being said, you know, too much NFL talk for me. (laughs) I want to give my way too early predictions for the college football playoff. Are they really predictions when we know three teams are going to be in there no matter what? I mean, I can
1: give you three of them.
0: I I got Clemson one, Alabama two, Ohio State three, and four is the parity team with either LSU or Georgia.
1: Sounds about right.
0: Or Oklahoma. Yeah. I mean, am I that far off of saying that that's guaranteed?
1: I mean, the top three are definitely almost guaranteed. You could switch the order up maybe, but. Yeah, that's
0: that's about it. Um, yeah, I mean, <laughs> we're not going to see Michigan. We're not going to see Oklahoma State. You're not going to see Vanderbilt. But this begs the question, do you think that we need to move to the 12-team playoff?
1: Definitely. I agree. I think it would make it much more interesting. I think it would give you just, it would just make it a better experience. Yeah. Because right now it feels like it's, there's there's nothing new almost ever like you have your one team that's different and it's usually s- selected from the same little group of teams that are could be
0: the fourth well i can guarantee you this if texas and oklahoma join the sec you'll see the big 12 go away those teams you know the remaining teams will be spread out among the pac 12 the big 10 and the acc well was it was
1: it confirmed that they're coming
0: not yet are you, uh, i'm pretty sure it's not yet I know the SEC commissioner uh, came out and said something about it, like, acknowledged that they are trying to join. But if those teams join and you have four super conferences, what you may see, the 12-team playoff may never come, and it may just be the four conference winners playing in the playoff. And then that just completely kills the go-five teams, you know, like a UL or um, a UCF if they they don't join a bigger conference or – you know, T- Oh no, TCU is in the Big Twelve. They used to not be uh, a Boise State. Even it would kill their chances of getting in the playoffs. So basically, what you would have to do is have two separate playoffs: one for Go Five, and then one for the the Big Four. It would become because the Big Twelve would go away. Um, but you know, before because I I have a, a paragraphs written about this potential SEC expansion and what I think it'll do to college football. I would do want to talk about um more about Kirby Smart being on the hot seat. Um, Kirby Smart, if you don't know, is the current Georgia head coach. Through five seasons, I-, I want you to, you know, talk about like if I told you, hey, I'm gonna give you a coach for the first five years, he's gonna be forty two and fourteen in his record. He's gonna have three SEC East titles and an SEC championship. What, what would you-, you would take that in a heartbeat, correct? Right. Yeah, I, I think anybody yeah. would. But here's the thing so did Mark Rick. Mark Rick in his first five years who was the previous Georgia coach who never won anything, was 52-19 and 19 with three West titles and two SEC championships. Hmm. Never won the big one. And there's a lot of people at Georgia who don't want to make that same mistake. So I, I think this is the make or break year for Kirby Smart. If they don't win it all, I don't even know if making it into the playoff will be enough for him to keep his job. I think it is championship or bust, and they have to come out and do everything they can or smart does definitely if he wants to keep his job um because georgia they're not going to want to make that same mistake coach rick was a a fantastic coach but he just never won the big one and that's your main goal at a college like georgia
1: right like we were saying last week it's it's not about just having a good season when you're in the sec you need a championship or no one cares
0: well especially if you're a team like Alabama LSU or Georgia if you're Vanderbilt, yeah you're happy getting into a you know a decent bowl, but Georgia's not happy getting into a decent bowl Ooh, I lost my breath <laughs>
1: <laughs> well while we're on the topic i I hate how many bowls there are
0: there are a lot there are definitely a lot
1: it makes them feel like it, it devalues them to a point where it's like I don't care about the Tostitos Fiesta Bowl. Well,
0: it's that one's still a part of the Big Six.
1: Well, I, I know it was just the first name yeah. I could think of, but like, just, I got you. You don't care just,
0: about like the the Texas Bowl, right? You know,
1: like it. It feels like it, every team almost get. makes a bowl, and it's it. It makes it feel like it's not even a real thing, like a thing that you should be fighting for, because most teams are going to get it anyway, and then you're just going to go and half the players are going to sit out. Because yeah. they're going to the draft, or they don't want to get hurt, or whatever reason, it feels like unless you are in one of the the big ones, yeah, it it, does, new it feels year like it six. doesn't matter. So, I I wish they would just get rid of some of them. Well, here is just a, make them more rare.
0: Here is the thing: you only have to win six games. You only you could go six and six and make it to a bowl game.
1: See, and that just feels cheap.
0: It, I I agree. I think you should have to at least win eight or nine. To make it to a bowl game, because um, they'll pair a team that's like six and six with a team that's won ten games, just because of conference like contracts with a bowl game. Um, so yeah,
1: and it, it makes it a less interesting game.
0: I, I agree. It
1: doesn't feel like it's a postseason game. It feels like it's a, a scrimmage that they threw together last minute.
0: Yeah, I, I I agree with you. I do think there are too many bowl games. I think you could definitely take away some, and I think it would add more value to the games remaining, and it would make it more interesting to see, you know, who fights the hardest to get to those bowl games. Um, Right. Because
1: uh, if if they're more rare and you don't – it's not just an every year thing that you're going. Yeah. If you have a decent season, you're going. Then you're going to see those seniors that are – seniors and juniors that are going to apply for the draft,
0: they're going to still want to play. Yeah, they're going to fight harder.
1: If that's a, a nationally broadcasted game that everyone's going to be watching, then that's another, that's another set of film that they're going to be able to have that can up their draft stock, that can do anything. Yeah, for them.
0: I mean, take every game like, okay, this could move me up in the draft, how, you know, depending on how well I play. Right. Don't just take it as it's set in stone that I'm a you know, top five you know, pick. Um, that being said, I do want to talk about Tate Martell who has hopefully finally found his home yeah. at UNLV. Tell me
1: he's had a, a long road.
0: He's had a long road, dude. He was uh, so Tate Martel is a former five-star quarterback uh, coming out of high school. He was the number 3 quarterback in the country. Where is he from? He went to Bishop Gorman, which is like that in like what what is I, IGM or what is that football IMG? It's like a it's like a high school technically that all the best athletes in the country go to. Oh, uh, okay. It's, you know, it's not like kids went, you know, grew up in that area and went there. Like, you have to be cream of the crop to go there. Okay. So, Tay Martell was originally committed to Washington in eighth grade. He was a kid, committed to Washington. An actual child. Yeah. I mean, well, hey, they they got 15-year-olds competing in the Olympics, so what can I say? That's also true. Um,
1: is, that's insane.
0: Yeah. It makes me so depressed that I'm sitting on the couch watching them, and they're on the world stage at 15. They can't even drive a car, and they're, you know, winning gold medals. Anyway, enough about my sad life. Um, (laughs) Tate Mortel eventually switches his commitment to Texas A&M. Then he decommits from A&M and commits to Ohio State. He played six games for the Buckeyes, but played behind Dwayne Haskins. Then, and that was in 2018— 2019 comes around. Who transfers to Ohio State? Justin Fields. Right. Heisman finalist. Um, So, Martell... Chicago Bear. Chicago Bear. Martell kind of sees the writing on the wall, knows, okay, now I'm just going to have to wait even longer. Transfers to Miami. Let's just say it didn't work in Miami as well. Um, He only had one pass and was repeatedly tried at wide receiver. He picked up a suspension at the beginning of the 2020 season and opted out of the rest. So... Tate Martell now is transferring to the University of Las Vegas. And, man, I hope it works out for him. Um, you know, he's always been criticized for bouncing around and not sticking it through. But I, I hope he goes out and has a burrow year and shows that, look, I had the talent all along. I just couldn't get to the place where they would allow me to show it. Right.
1: See, and that's, that's where I kind of draw the line with, how you were asking earlier about it, if i like the transfers if if you're transferring if you're playing and you're doing well and you're transferring just to go make more money or just to be at a bigger school i don't really love it yeah if you're transferring to go get a chance to play and try to m- get to the next level go for it yeah i agree with you i wish you nothing but the best
0: and that's that's the thing martel knew look they got their guy now even though i'm here they're not they're not moving. They're trying to, you know, put me a wide receiver. I got to get out of here. I got to go to a place that's going to let me play the position I want to play. Um so I'm look, I'm happy for him. Uh he's always, you know, been criticized for decommitting and recommitting and transferring. I hate that stuff. Um I hope he gets a shot and I hope he knocks it out the park, honestly. That it's, being s- It's
1: got to be rough to be him. Him, especially <laughs> in the spotlight. In eighth grade, yeah, you're committing to a college. You haven't even started your high school. You're 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 a kid. You might still be a preteen. Your brain's not even fully developed. Not even close. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. you're over here committing to a college. Yeah, I, a big. I feel like colleges shouldn't
0: be able to do that. You would think, but I mean, if a you know a baby's born at like ninety pounds, you know Nick Saban's in that hospital recruiting him to play defensive <laughs> end. Um, so, as we all know, potential SEC expansion. Um, SEC Commissioner Greg Sankey has come out and acknowledged and confirmed that Texas and OU have submitted formal requests for invitations to join the SEC in 2025. He went on to say that the SEC did not seek them out, but aren't opposed to growing the SEC. However, he did say that per the bylaws of the SEC, a vote of at least three-fourths of the SEC's 14 members is required to even extend the invitation. This is where I see the plan falling through. Um, Texas and OU would need 10.5 team votes to get in. And to be honest with you, I I don't see that happening. Um, everybody keeps telling me I'm wrong on this and it's going to happen because everybody wants to make more money. But I don't think that the, the smaller teams in the SEC are going to want to be even further down the pecking order unless they plan to leave. But then again, I don't see if they're planning to leave, why would they vote them in? You know, they don't care. Right. Um, look, you've got two teams right off the bat that I don't think want them in, and that's Texas A&M hammering no, and Missouri. They left the Big 12 because of Texas. Right. So I don't think that they're going to want, oh, here they are again. You know, they, they just keep following us.
1: Here they are. They're going to steal the limelight again. Yeah. And it's just going to be the same thing that happened there. Yeah. I, Except I, now we've found our place. We we feel like we belong in this conference. I mean,
0: Missouri went to the SEC championship their first two years.
1: Right. They had to fight to prove that they were even worthy of being there, and then now they're going to walk in
0: and people are going to say,
1: oh, Texas is better than AM. So. Yeah,
0: and Texas is going to steal all of our recruits because now they can tell people, oh, well, we're in the SEC, too, and you can stay home. Um, so, no, I, I, I see Missouri and Texas A&M voting no. I see Vanderbilt, Kentucky. South Carolina and Arkansas also all saying no. So that's what, six teams, seven teams right there? One, two, three, four, five, six, six teams saying no. So it's over. Um I I just I, I don't see it's I, I don't see it happening. And personally, I don't want to see it happen. I think the SEC is perfect as it is. It's not like they're adding Clemson and Ohio State to it who have proved that they can uh win a national championship in the past fifteen years. It's two teams who are always talked about being great that are just never are um, and I don't I don't want it to happen. There's something special about when you see LSU play Texas like two years ago. when it was out of the blue, LSU was going to play a home and home with Texas or you know you see Alabama play USC or when Georgia played OU in the in the playoff. Seeing these out of conference games that are big games between two teams you really never see play, it, it's it's kind of like magic. It has right. um, like a cool factor to it, and if they play every year, it's like who when cares? Tom Brady was with the Patriots
1: and like when the Saints played the Patriots. It was always this is a must watch game. Like, yeah, I can't miss
0: it. Breeze versus Brady. Yeah,
1: it's just it was a big event and it felt because it it barely ever happened. I agree with you, like Cam there there for there was someone. Hang on, so <laughs> it's okay. Drew Brees never won an MVP, but he was an MVP caliber quarterback. Yes, Cam Newton won an MVP. Cam Matt Newton Ryan was won an MVP.
0: Mm, Matty Ice.
1: There were three basically MVP quarterbacks in the SEC, SEC the <laughs> NFC South. For the last what ten years almost, yeah. and you never really had that same kind of magic feeling that you got whenever you saw Breeze play Brady or Breeze play Rodgers. Yeah, it was just it was something huge. Yeah, and it felt different.
0: I I agree with you. I I I love those types of like games and those types of feelings. Like a big out of conference game to start the season, like LSU playing UCLA. I I don't ever recall a time in my life that I saw LSU play UCLA. So and they get to go play in the Rose Bowl which is awesome. I love seeing like my team play in a different stadium for the you know, not the first time, but a time the first time for me and, you know, knowing it's not going to happen again for a while. Um and I don't want to see the Big 12 go away. I like the Big 12. Um I don't like Texas, I don't like OU, but I like having the Big 12 there. Um I don't want to see four mega conferences formed from this and then all conference championships champions get an automatic bid to the playoff. Um and another thing is if you bring in these two teams so the way the SEC is structured right now you have if you're in the east you get one west opponent that's a random opponent and one locked opponent right so like LSU who's in the west gets Kentucky Vanderbilt Georgia you know one team every every year that they you know don't really play that much like this last past year it was Missouri um and then they have their locked game Florida so if you add another team do you, how does this work Do you only have one East opponent each year? That's your locked rivalry game. And then the only time you play another one is if you make it to the championship. Do you take away one of the three out-of-conference games that LSU plays or, you know, an SEC team plays every year to, um, you know, compensate for it and add keeping the locked game and then the random East opponent? Or do they just play 12 straight SEC games? And completely eliminate playing a random team each year, or a couple random teams each year, like this year to start the season. They got UCLA.
1: Right. It becomes monotonous when you play. If you were to play the exact same teams every year, just in a different order, you it starts to become just a, a droning feeling that you. It, it just feels like you're locked in a loop, and you'll never really get out of it because yeah, the, it, that's what it is now.
0: Another thing. I believe LSU has, like, there's, like, a rule in place that LSU has to play at least one Louisiana team each year. Um, This year we got McNeese and ULM. So what happens with that? Um, Do they add more games to the season? I I don't like any way that this plays out. Um, I'm just, I'm not for it. I think 16 teams is too many for a 12-game regular season, especially with the way things are structured right now. I'm I'm fully against this. Are you What do you think?
1: I mean, I don't I really don't think it's a good idea. I would say if any if any kind of restructuring was to be done to the SEC, I th- I would say it needed to teams would need to leave.
0: Yeah. I agree.
1: Because the SEC is the closest thing to a super conference that that college football has. And it just if they were to Sorry. <laughs> Why are you losing your breath so? I don't much today? know,
0: man. I don't know. I'm just I'm so passionate about talking about college football.
1: <laughs> but the the feeling it feels like the SEC is just ridiculously overpowered in college football.
0: Yeah. And I and if I was teams out of the SEC, I wouldn't want this to happen either. Um
1: No, because then you're just adding more fuel to that fire.
0: And if OU and Texas come, do teams leave? I don't maybe. I mean, if I'm Vanderbilt, A&M, Kentucky, uh, South Carolina, I'm getting out of Dodge because you're so farther down the pecking order now, Arkansas even, and you see that Big 12 is open and it's not the hardest conference in the world, I'm going right there. I'm going to the Big 12. I'm going to the ACC. All you have to do is get through Clemson and the ACC. The SEC, if they add Texas and OU, which I don't believe Texas and OU will be that good in the SEC – you still got to go through Auburn. You've got to go through Alabama. You've got to go through Georgia. You've got to go through Florida. You've got to go through LSU, Ole Miss even, Mississippi State sometimes. You don't want to be even further down the pecking order. And if I'm them, I'm getting out of Dodge.
1: Especially because your name is not as valuable. No. Texas is going to be more valuable in a recruiting sense than Kentucky. Yeah.
0: The only thing – that, like, really and truly Vanderbilt brings to the SEC is academics and baseball.
1: Right. And Which I like having uh, – I, I love and I hate having them for baseball because when if LSU gets knocked out, then we have a good chance of still winning.
0: Yeah. With... That's the only reason I could see out of those teams Vanderbilt staying. Arkansas, I think they want to be – as good as they are in baseball year in and year out, I think they want to be good in football again. And they'll take – going to the Big 12, playing less, you know, lesser, not lesser opponents, but teams that are just not quite as good.
1: We'll say lower tier.
0: Yeah, the Big 12 is still, you know, a Power 5 conference. Um, but you're still, you know, you're still Power 5. Arkansas would run the Big 12 in baseball. And I think they would do better in football. Um, so it's going to be really interesting to see how this all shakes out. And another thing. Um Texas and OU you've been criticizing the SEC for years saying it's not that great. The Big 12 is better. Why all of a sudden the change part? There's something bigger brewing? Maybe potentially for mega conferences and they don't want to get shoved into the, you know, ACC or the Pac-12. Maybe the case. It's an um, interesting theory. It's an interesting <laughs> theory. Um another thing, Barstool, Barstool Sports has added a bowl game. The Barstool Arizona Bowl. Um,
1: Barstool, if you're listening and you want to sign us, please do. Yeah, I would that love. Would to, incredible.
0: I would love to never work for the rest of my life, other than for Barstool. Please write that down. Um, <laughs> uh, but here's the interesting thing: it's a New Year's Eve Bowl, uh, but Barstool has complete control over the broadcast and the halftime show.
1: So, is it going to be like on a streaming service? or how is this going to happen? Are they going to be on regular? I, I, TV?
0: I don't know. I, I don't know if it'll be on regular TV and Barstool is just controlling, like, who commentates it or if it'll be on, you know, a Barstool streaming service. Who knows? Um, The Barstool Bowl or the Arizona Bowl is still under contract with the MAC and the Mountain West. So you will see those two teams play or a team from each conference play in this bowl game. But honestly, you were saying earlier how you wish they could do away with some bowl games. Right. I'm happy this one's here. I am too. I love seeing Barstool expand that empire. Um, I love it. I really do. Well, Josh, you know I've talked a lot of football.
1: Yeah, we have.
0: Uh, we have not talked about any baseball in this episode, which is weird to me. Um, before I do, I do want to give a quick shout-out to Joey Votto. Uh, Joey Votto is not young anymore by any means, <laughs> um, and he's still performing at an all-star level. He had a two-home uh, run game last night. I mean, Joey Votto's 37 years old, playing first base for the Reds, still killing it. Keep it going, Joey Votto. Love you. Um, but since we didn't talk any baseball, I would feel wrong doing baseball knowledge. So we'll do football knowledge. Um, look, football's not a game with a lot of sabermetrics like baseball. Right. So, you know, you're not having stats on, like, who tied their shoes first and threw the most strikes in the third inning. Um Football's pretty, football's pretty different. Um, but I just want
1: y'all to know I'm going to feel really bad if I miss this one. I don't think you will.
0: I really. I tried to give you a softball question. I don't think you're going to mess this one up. Josh, what is a safety?
1: That That's like the extra point. I'm joking. Um,
0: I almost – oh, I believed <laughs> you there for a second.
1: No, safety is when the ball carrier gets tackled and they're on end zone. Or the defensive end zone. I always mess up how to say it's it. It's when an offensive
0: when they, player gets tackled in their end zone, the right. one they're you know defending right with the ball behind. And it's two points. Yeah, on line. And it's two points. That's a safety. Um, Not much to you know, it. I've
1: never had to explain it. But when you
0: have to explain it and you it, put on it the spot, a, it's yeah, a little it was different.
1: It a little bit tricky to try to figure out how to phrase it.
0: All right, Josh. You know what's coming up.
1: Oh, yeah. Minor league
0: time.
1: My favorite time of the week.
0: All right, Joshy boy. Your three teams are the Scranton Wilkes-Barre Yankees, the Sacramento Ball Boys, or the Jamestown Turncoats. And I just realized I didn't put the right team name. So none of them are real? Well, one of them is real. It's just not their name anymore. But the town itself still has the minor league team. I'm sorry.
1: So, <laughs>
0: – I'm sorry. I'm sorry. you got – right,
1: Give me my options one more time.
0: The Scranton-Wilkes-Barre Yankees, the Sacramento Ball Boys, or the Jamestown Turncoats.
1: I remember the Scranton well, – I remember that there was a Scranton hyphenated with – or slashed with somebody on the list when I was looking for yours. I don't remember it being the Yankees, though. It's
0: not. But it is Scranton. It's <laughs> – uh, they're the Scranton-Wilkes-Barre Rail Riders, and my intention when I was doing this was I was going to put them in there, but put their old team name, in case you had heard it before, to try, try to trip you up and then put a real team, and I just didn't do that. Um, but no, they were the Scranton-Wilkes-Barre Yankees not too long ago, um, but no, they changed to the Rail Riders, and yeah, that's you know, my that
1: fault. That one, that one's not bad. No. I kind of like the Railriders.
0: I don't. I don't. <laughs> I don't I don't at all. Um, but yeah, it's, it's they're not the Scranton barre Yankees anymore. They are the Scranton Wilkesbury Rail riders. And everybody, that has been our podcast for today. We hope you enjoyed it. Josh, any leaving words for the people or final words. Not final words, because you're gonna be here next week, but
1: Well, thank y'all for listening. And if y'all enjoy the podcast, please tell your friends, help get the word out. We can build us a little community. Yeah. I think it'd be pretty cool.
0: Build the community. Follow us. Love us. Treat. Be our friends. Give us all your respect and follows and views and everything else.
1: Put us on your Instagram story. Put us on your Instagram. We would love that. Yeah.
0: All right, guys. Peace out.